Okay, welcome to the Green Machine podcast. Um, you know, at the Green Machine podcast, we try to be a little bit different with the topics we cover and guests we interview. I think this evening's special guest will offer something new to our listeners. Um, really pleased to be joined this evening by David Roach from the Roach Injury Clinic in Kilkenny, which is the official home of hurling. I know this is a football podcast, but I have to get that in there. I get quite a bit of stick for, for the exploits of Balahel that we've had over the years. And um Uncle Kenny, so uh, I got a bit of stick last week from a few of our listeners um, when the Bally Gunner were victorious in the club all Ireland. David is a multidisciplinary therapist in sports medicine, physio, strength and conditioning and sport and exercise. Um, I won't go into his qualifications too much because there's too many letters after your name, David. Um, but uh, let's just say he knows his stuff and he's worked with some of the most high profile athletes we have, uh, especially a number of young people. He's worked with Olympic and world champions in athletics, rugby, and also football, which is probably what we're uh, most interested in. So just want to start, David, by welcoming you, thanking you for your time. Um, but tell us a little bit about what you do and how your career has developed. Oh, wow. Thanks a million, Martin, for that. Um, yeah, the letters for me are the big thing. I think they just, they just accumulate over time, like my wrinkles and my grey hairs. But um, yeah, they're probably causing a lot of them as well, if I'm honest with you. Um, yeah, no, look, listen, I'm a very proud Irishman here. I actually trained in England. I trained in Manchester, uh, in Salford. Originally did my BSc there. And then I went down to Wales and did my postgrad in sports and exercise after that. Quickly followed by my sports medicine uh, masters in Wales also. Uh, then I started to do lots of different placements around the place. Uh, sales Sharks was the main one of mine, and I was eventually looking to work in Sales Sharks in Pearl for uh, for a period there. Um, but then again, as a proud as a proud um, as a proud Irishman, I ended up coming home. Played a bit of football in England. Played for Old Alts there in Manchester. Great 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 club. Um, great atmosphere around that. And I have to say, as you probably know, Martin. Uh, Football in England is like it's like hurling here to us. They're very passionate. The English are very passionate. I loved it. I enjoyed every minute of it. Even though it wasn't high high level, it was it was very uh, very interesting. I enjoyed it every Saturday. And playing for the uni was a great great buzz as well. But I suppose I came home then after working in poor rugby and opened up a clinic here in Kilkenny and uh, one room clinic with with ten patients a week and. Now, I suppose I don't mind telling you, we're in a brand new clinic here with six, seven therapists, and we're just about to start building our brand new multidisciplinary clinic on two acres of land here. Everything from a running track in there, a uh, post-operation uh, rehab gym in there, and a proper high-performance gym, along with physio clinical rooms as well. So we're expanding by the day, hence the reason the more more uh, grey hairs and more more wrinkles. But um, it's, a, it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant um, career happened so far I've been lucky so far then to work with a lot of the FEI teams as you know as well I've been working with Stephen Kenny 21s when he was there he's now moved up worked 17s with Colin, uh, Colin and then I've worked most recently with the 16s uh, with Paul, Os Paul Osman and uh, St Mark Connors and a few boys there as well so they're really really good experiences and I suppose that apply apply that to my that kind of high performance attitude to, to my clinic whether it's it's Mary down the road or it's you know Olympic champion coming to see me from from the United States and Obviously, you've also involved with your local club as well, Evergreen. Uh, they got to a cup final in 2017, was it? Yeah, 2017, I think yeah. it was, yeah. And they're your, they're your local club? They're my club, yeah. So they're, they're, I've been playing for them since I was since I was a boy, um, pretty much. Uh, yeah, I was actually the physio and SNC coach for those three years. I'd come home from England, actually, would you believe? Uh, I came home from England in 2015 and I took six months out of playing sport and I came home to set the business up, say, but I, because I did my club, I, I took them on and I, I, I kind of gave them um, discounts for physio treatment, but also did their S&C for free. And I think we went, 
I think we were only beaten twice in two years, or sorry, three years, and twice we were beaten, would you believe, was a Leinster final against Scherf and an FAI Cup final in the Aviva, and it was Scherf again. Um, again and that yeah. was a phenomenal Scherf team, if you remember that team. I think that Scherf team were pretty good. That was one of the best junior teams ever, I'd say. Uh, they were phenomenal, and it was a pity because we were super, super fit. Great ball you guys who we all still know we all the majority of them still play and uh great times great times and then i still play a little bit would you believe at 37 i'm still trying to play a little bit but uh just down the teams a small bit now but i don't think i'll stop playing until i feel like say no so we're doing all right so far yeah well you're in you're in good hands there to keep yourself you're a good advert for yourself basically um and mikey <laughs> Dren- mikey drennan will be someone familiar from underage irish football teams um, League yeah. of Ireland as well, went over to Aston Villa and came back to Kilkenny. Um, how have you found? I think he's back at Evergreen now. Yeah, Mikey's back at Evergreen. I think Mikey, you know, Mikey, prestigious talent, like obviously, but um, sometimes not football isn't for people and stuff as well. And I'm delighted that he's back playing at some level. I know he hurls, he hurls as well a little bit. He's actually in tonight, which means he's a small little hip flexor issue that I'm going to see him with tonight there, I think. And uh, we'll bring him through a process and we'll get ready for, for a training later on the weekend, a game at the weekends. But I've worked with Mikey, I think, when Mikey was. Mikey had just moved from Shamrock Rovers to Sligo, I think it was. And I worked with him around strength conditioning and injury prevention. Um, we got really super fit. And if you remember, not to do that to do with me, but if you remember, he went up to Sligo. And he started like a house on fire up there and he was banging goals left, right and centre. And I think his suit had been away from home a little bit as well. But um, he was brilliant up there for a good while. And then he went back to St. Pat's, I think, as well. I think we sent Patsy back to after that, and then I worked with him again in the preseason. Uh, some pictures of him on my phone of him looking very disheveled with a sprint, with a sprint um, parachute. But uh, he won't thank me for that. But um, he's a great guy, great kid, st- still brilliant footballer. You see him playing at our level, say, and his weight of pass and his touch are things that he'll, he'll never lose. And he's just, yeah, he's a phenomenal footballer. He was a player like we obviously heard a lot about coming through and when he moved to Villa and stuff. And even before then, like at underage levels, I remember at a Wrist London meeting once we had a young, uh, you know, some of the underage coaches were there. And um, I think I asked a question about this lad who's just gone to Aston Villa. And they were saying, it's interesting you said about the hurling. They said, like, brilliant story. And I, I could really relate to it and understand it from Kilkenny. But, um, that you know, I think he turned up once for a camp with Ireland. And he had like his hand all bandaged and like and they said what the hell have you done and he said oh i was just having a puck around like hurling and like couldn't see what was wrong with that um but you know and they, yeah. said, they had to kind of have a word with him and say look you've got to take this seriously this is football but like i suppose it'll never change but great to hear he's doing really well and he's back with evergreen so um but obviously yeah, you follow you you do follow liverpool as a club um and obviously the yeah. island team you mentioned i won't go about liverpool this is an island football podcast. I don't need to hear about. We'll have a little chat about Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny. It's funny for me because, like, at thirty-seven years old, and my memories are mostly horrible ones of the Spice Boys and all this stuff. So right now, I'm loving life. To be honest yeah, with you, yeah. I, I feel like Sadio. I feel like Sadio Mane and and Salah are like FIFA players. Like they're playing a game because they don't look real. They're phenomenal. Mm. And our our Liverpool's Liverpool's. Um, I suppose. Buying and selling clause has kindly finally come to fruition with these players we brought in for a good chunk of money, but have really excelled, and that's probably down to clap a little bit too. But I won't say I understand yeah, that. Yeah, I no, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I have to cut that out. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, um, just generally, no, no, I'm obviously joking. We'll leave that in. But it's interesting, like, and, and it's kind of brought me off a little bit of topic. But we were speaking to Alan Kelly on one of our podcasts recently, the former FAI ref. Um, well, Irish referee there who was like brilliant in like went around the world, went to America and stuff. And I said to him, when he watches football, 
is it a strange situation? Like, is he always refereeing, watching it as a referee and thinking that decision was wrong? Was that what is when you're watching soccer now, watching matches, are you watching it when you see an injury happen or something like that or a player pull up? Are you looking a little bit like that? Yeah, definitely. I think I've got better at it. I think as you get older, you get better at it. Um, but I think what I'm always doing with you believe, Mark, is I'm watching one second behind the game, if that makes sense. So I'm watching, I'm not watching where the header has gone. I'm watching the landing of the player, if I can, or I'm not watching the, you know, I'm not watching the, I have, I will have what you would call red, yellow and green zones. So a green zone for me is say when, you know, the players, the guys are on the ball, they're spraying around the back, that, that's a green zone for me. It's okay. You know, a, a yellow zone for me is when there's a ball driven into, say, a left or right, right foot or right foot's waiting feet, say. There's a potential there for the player to come in behind quite aggressively. There's a potential for the, for the athlete to turn aggressively and maybe damage some ligaments in the knee or the ankle and stuff like that as well. But probably not. He's probably safe enough still because he's in control of the body. And then there's red zones. Things like, you know, landing after a header where there's contact from the player. You know, corner kicks, for example, when players are jumping into each other at serious. And obviously, your, your hospital passes, but you don't see too much of it in the Premier Division, realistically. But, you know, in hurling as well so I'll kind of break the game down to three parts for myself but mainly what I'm doing Martin is I'm watching the game maybe just one split second behind it but um, you, get, you get used to it you do yeah yeah just different way of watching I suppose yeah yeah definitely and I'm definitely learning to turn off I think as well before I could walk into town and you were kind of watching how people are walking and yeah like, oh my God, you know, <laughs> it's crazy right yeah, yeah. I always <laughs> say the analogy is like a health and health and risk assessment or someone is that into safety health and safety officer walking along the street and they're looking at 100 things wrong it's mad yeah, um yeah. and you're currently involved with carlo and kilkenny uh what's your role there yeah so carlo kenny's quite an interesting one um obviously again as i mentioned a couple of times here i hope it doesn't uh give people their own vibe but i'm quite a proud of kenny man um and when i moved home there's no league of ireland team here and it breaks my heart because i went out to watch them you know, the whole way up. And I mean, I think at one point here, we always talk about it in the FBI circles that, that like, they used to bring on 21 games to Kenny for heaven's sake. That's yeah. how, how good it was. I remember watching Young Clifford. Do you remember Young Clifford for Chelsea? Was he the yes. first Irish yeah. million pound player, young teenager? I think yeah, yeah. Like years ago. We're going to watch him out in, out in Buckley Park. Um, and Buckley Park was, was was pristine back then, you know. But um, yeah, so I suppose it, it always irks me at this moment that we have no team here in Kenny. But um, I've been home maybe two years ago. Carlo, Kenny United actually were a team first, would you believe, before we go off topic there, they were a ladies team that went to League of Ireland and I worked with them, I was their main physio and SNC coach for 18 months, but it, the project was, you know, it was up and down and, you know, the guys were still quite, you know, they're working away still and doing good things and they do a lot of underage stuff. And then I kind of stepped away from that and then Carlo Kenny kind of came and if I'm honest with you, the, the name... I thought it was very unimaginative. They might like me telling you that, but like Carol mm -hmm. Kenny FC, I was thinking, okay, who are these? And uh, I kind of chat with the chairman and the chairman had asked me, would I take a look at his son, would you believe? His son had been to different physios around the country and stuff and couldn't get started. And luckily we have him back running. And he just said, look, listen, we would love if you maybe if you could arrange some physio and stuff like that. And, you know, I couldn't really get to many, many games. I was working with Lachlan Gales at the time, say. But um, I definitely look after them as far as clinically and sending physios to their games. And then they kind of grew a bit and they had a really good structure. And he chatted to me more about, you know, what they had planned as far as bringing their 15s up to 17s, 17s to 19s, 19s to 21s, or not 21s, I should say, but into League of Ireland now. And their, their structure was sound, I have to say, and I quite liked it. And then last year, they kind of um, created a role for me as kind of the head of physio, as it were, as well. And that was good and a lot more kind of, Kind of a lot more of the, a lot more of the players that come to me 
uh, and then we, we, we provide strength conditioning kind of plans and injury prevention plans for the players. And then this year, they've taken another step ahead again, looking to put a, le- a senior ladies team into the League of Ireland next year and amends the year after, potentially, or even quicker than that, depending on what happens in the next few weeks. But they offer me, they're bringing a director of football. I met the director of football. He has big plans for them. And uh, yeah, the, the project is really, really good. It's, it's a great idea to think about because there's no League of Ireland team in Carlow, Kilkenny. Yeah. There's no League of Ireland team in Leash. Kildare, Tipperary, like you know, I know that Wexford and Watford will draw from all those, but if you're somewhere close at home and like there's only certain like you know, squads you can have within the club, mm. it's a brilliant idea, it's a really, really good idea. So, if they're interested in investing in the club, I said I would get on board and I would, you know, we'd have all the players come to us this year. I'd, I'd direct all the physios to each session and I would act like a you know, as a part of backup staff of director of football, SNC coach, physio, and then a sports psychologist as well. So that's all seems to pull in the right direction. Um, but I suppose it's, the name is the probably want to fix it. Say. That name needs to be <laughs> South End United or something like that, or South East United or, or something, I think. But um, yeah, I really want to see a uh, League of Ireland team back in Kenny Martin big time. Yeah, I agree with you completely. Like I remember going to Buckley Park years ago. I saw Mick McCarthy after the 1990 World Cup come with Millwall and that, uh, wow. just, and it was brilliant. Like he, Mick just ran around the pitch and did laps, like because he was getting stopped for autographs and stuff. It was fantastic. And I so I think I see Norwich play there in the preseason uh, against that's cool Kenny years ago. So and I, and I was obviously at under twenty one games as well. It's a shame it's not there. Um, yeah. I see you did this presentation with the parents and the players uh, to Carlo Kilkenny. That was over a hundred people at that. How did that go? And what was your idea behind that? That was really good. I, I kind of wanted to put, you know, I think what was happening was, and I'll be really honest with you, I think what was happening was to say that last year when I was kind of in a position as a club, we had a lot more people come and see us from the previous year. And like, as you know yourself, at an underage level, like development is so important. Like, like you know, if, if, if you think about two, let's imagine two players for a second, right? They're both 15 years old. That age from 15 and 21 is such a massive age for development of their body. Their body's going to change. And how they come out the other side is really important. But if you imagine two players, you know, one player is a super talented player, but doesn't look after his body or is not really pushed to, you know, do injury rehabilitation or look after injury prevention, shall we say. And you have an average player who's really about his injury rehab, who's really about his injury prevention. And they have five years of, of playing together, shall we say. So the average player versus the, the, the highly potentialized player. If the guy who doesn't look after his body, he if he gets injured and carries knocks, he will stay off the pitch longer and he'll have a decreased performance level when he comes back onto the pitch, say. But the guy who's average and applies himself all the time, when they reach 21 years old, they have a training age of five extra years. But if the guy, the potentialized guy, only is only on the pitch, you know, for three and a half years, and the guy who's only average is on for five years, you can tell me who the better player is there, no matter how much potential yeah. they have. We have to make sure that our players, and you might even see a situation where if the player is missing a year and a half of those five years, he may just drop off altogether and do something different or find, you know, women and drink and all that kind of stuff as well. So it was important to me to kind of um, look at what was happening last year was we had players in our squads from, you know, Wexford and and, and Leash and Tipperary. And they were coming to us, but they kind of want to go to their home physio as well. I really wanted to make a presentation around what I can do for the young players, how I can help them enjoy sport and how we can probably save the parents money as well by bringing them through our system and making sure that the things that they So we're big here, Martin, on the identifying injury quickly putting the plan in place early, early doors, and then bringing the player very quickly through various levels of stimulation and injury rehabilitation that mimics what happens on the pitch here in our high-performance gym. And then when we send them back, there's no guesswork anymore. Like, when you and I played years ago, it's like, you go to see a physio, and it's like, I should go and try that there and see how you get on. When you come and see us here, we put you to test here. We, we make sure there's no problem when you get back on that pitch. And we make sure that the least amount of performance is lost when you're back on that pitch too. And in turn, that's better for the club, saves the club money, club has a better esteem, 
club can make money and generate out of that and then they can reinvest that in the young players. So that's what it's all about for me. So I want to make sure that the act that the parents saw me face to face and it took time. I remember it was a long day that day, but I went down to um, I went down to bloody um, the, the Talbot, I think it is. Sorry, the Dolman in, in Carlow, and, and I spoke for a little while down there. It was great crack. Yeah, ah, oh, brilliant. I mean, it's it's interesting you're saying about. I think even young people now, like I coach like under tens and see like older boys coming kind of through and stuff like that, and you see, you know how serious like young people take sport now. I think you know like you know maybe less distract more distractions now but you think yeah. if they are into it you know an amount of professional players now um even in the underage island squads and they don't have never had alcohol and stuff i think they kind of look after their bodies dietary wise it's more education you know young people now go to the gym a lot more than we ever kind of considered doing when i was 16 17 18 kind of thing you know you did it reactively yeah. probably or to punish yourself after having a good night out. Um, yeah. So people, they're a lot more aware of that now. And again, that's, I know you, you're talking about um, like just just that change of mindset. Also, then with injuries over the years, you know, I think back to you know the evolution of injuries and stuff like, and obviously treatments for those. You know, yeah. when I think of like a horrific football injury, like the like an ACL or something like that. You know, when Roy Keane had that, and Van Nistelrooy, I think had it. Shearer had it. That's like I'm showing my age now, mid nineties. But it was like they were definitely out for the season. How, how have those treatments evolved um, for like just just generally just treating people for, for these injuries and making sure yeah. they come back quicker? To be fair, do you know what? It's evolved on every single level. It's not just a situation where our rehab is better, we're more educated. It's not a situation where we have more, more modalities to treat you with these days. And it's not just a situation of our, our surgeons are better. It's actually all of them. Like the surgeries are a lot more, they're, not, they're quicker, they're not as daunting. Players, we've, we've removed probably that idea of if I tear my ACL I'm gone forever we've removed that idea because mm. you know we are attached to our to our injuries emotionally as well I know myself a bit airy fairy but we actually we absolutely are and if we're going to move like if we're going to move our bodies to a high performance levels once after post injury say we have to be comfortable with the fact that we put in a body of work after that so I think what's after happening realistically and it's gone from it was almost like the space race in physio for a while there because like it was like Russia versus the United States to get into the, onto the moon again it was like how I've got to go back from ACL nine months well this guy in, in in england has it back in eight months whereas the guy in the states has it back in six months and there's this and then i remember hearing five and a half months for an acl now to be honest with you then the stats have come out on the back of that so our idea now is that we want to take six months post-operation for your acl and any month you take after that it, it decre I, I think it decreases your chance of re-injury i want to say something between 12 and 18 percent which is huge so i would nearly always insist if i'm honest with you i have two things i would always insist on the nine months if i can but depends on what part of year martin they get injured so yeah let's say if they get injured like you know let's say the season ends in in october right and they, they tear their acl in like uh july I'm probably happy because by the time the season finishes and they do the preseason, I get to actually have back in time for the end of the year. But they're to tear their ACL maybe two months into the year. They're trying to get back for the end of the year and they're un they're unhappy with trying to get back quickly. So they're trying to get back way too quickly if that makes sense. Yeah. But it's, I suppose the ideas around again is just the operations are quicker and they're far more high level. Uh, just through through trial and error almost almost Martin as well. You know we do a lot better. We do we use a different. We used to use the patella tendon. Now we use the hamstring tendon, which is better. We do a lot of different things in our early rehab, which we know more about now. We're not afraid as therapists anymore 
you know, to push our push our athletes and push our push our players as well. So the combination of all those and maybe the best guidelines for each population as well has meant that we've reduced that that significantly. But I will always look to maybe the, the eight month, nine month mark, depending on what part of the year they've had that ACL injury. So, you know, there's a, there's a thing I often use, Matt, called the cup final syndrome. Like if there's a cup final on the board here, like, you know, like Henry Shefflin there years ago, you know him very, very well. Mm. He played at our final against Tipperary with no, with no ACL. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's a cup final, you get the guy on the pitch. You, you can't do much more damage to Henry at that point. So you want to make sure he gets on the pitch in any way, shape or form you can. But, you know, that's to the detriment of the player. You have to make sure the player understands that as well and move on from there, you know. So how much has it involved then with the with the player now? Are you finally changing their mindset that they're thinking I'm looking after myself long term? I don't want to get like like you know long term problems. You know like it's well documented. I think Roy Keane played like a lot of players now say when like older players who've retired they say I never felt a hundred percent fit whenever I went out on the pitch. There was always a niggle. There was always this. There was always that. Um, that but obviously the pressure is then to play at the elite level. Yeah, it's, it's a funny one there, isn't it? Because when you look at, like, if I'm honest with you, like, yeah, it's their livelihood, isn't it? At the end, at the mm. end of the day, I worked with Sailor Sharks, you know, I was working with um, uh, Tony Buckley, if you know Tony, Irish international player, and he spent a lot of time on the sideline that year, and he was just training on the pitch for, like, a, you know, I don't want to give too much away, but just, 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 just to get on the pitch and get paid and stuff, you know, sort yeah, of yeah. so there's funny parts of their careers as well, and there's a drive in them as well, massively with the drive. I, I'm not sure if players think about how their hips and knees will be when they're, when they're, um, 70 or 60 or 70 but what I do know is that that players know that they can be a Ronaldo now and play at a high level for longer into their 30s I think that probably speaks more to them if that makes sense to you too I think the FA and the Irish FA as well uh, are at the um, FAI sorry um are better at supporting players now as well. Do you want know to sort of it? I think there's yeah. no more of this. You leave football and you're gone. You're dead to me. Like there's definitely a better support network, which lads will will cop on to as well as now and that's like and like you know look at stories like Gaza, like you know this kind of unsupported thing and how that happened for him. And um, but I think players are better mentally um, about understanding that life isn't just football anymore, and that kind of grounds them. Let's be honest. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. I mean, I, I just coincidentally I watched the Brian Robson documentary and like Brian Robson. <laughs> great player in the 80s 90s but he played till he was 39 I think it was and like Brian he's synonymous for, for younger listeners he's synonymous with like always being like he went through a lot of injuries or played injured it was real battle hardened but he flew into these ridiculous challenges and stuff it was obviously a different game there but I think when he was at West Brom in this documentary it's well worth a watch he broke his leg three times in one season and he actually mentions in it he got a really bad ankle injury and he says I still have problems with that ankle today you know, he had a dislocated yeah. shoulder and everything. Famously, like, missed the island. Uh, I think he played in the 1990 World Cup against Ireland. And then he missed that 1990 World Cup. But he missed the 1986 World Cup as well. He got injured over there. Um, but incredible player. But I, I just, I always think of him as a player, like, synonymous, again, as I said, with, with injuries. and but, but threw himself into everything. It's very funny, Martin, because I often try to get the point across to young players. That more so, a yeah, grown man is going to make his own decisions. But I've seen guys in here... And, she come up from that club uh, who went and played in that um, final there recently. I won't name any names, obviously, but um, a couple of these guys are limping around the place two or three days before, you know, before a uh, final. And you kind of have to support them and give them a strap and make them give them a positive mindset change. But when we're dealing with young athletes, I'm always trying to get the point across. And look, listen, Martin, you're, you're 15 years old here. 
you're playing through an injury. The coach doesn't really know you've an injury. Like, I would have to tell them if you asked me, but what's going to happen now is that you're going to play on. If, when you're fully fit, man, you're a 9 out of 10 player. But when you're injured, you're probably like a 6. And what you'll do is you'll do the betterment for the team. You'll be a hero and a martyr for the team. But if you keep putting in 6 out of 10 performances for the team, sooner or later, the man's going to go, hey, maybe he's not injured. Maybe Martin's lost it, and now you're on the yeah, team. Yeah. It's a detriment to yourself. So you need to get things right straight away. I was going to ask that question actually, like with, with you know getting the balance right. So you know you're now you, you've worked with the under 16s, for example. So an under 16 player in that island camp, he's coming in. He wants to impress that manager. He wants to go up to under 17s, 18s, you know, 19s. He wants to make his way in all those squads. And yeah. you know how how much of a challenge is that then? Of you know, do you do you find like you said there, you would have would you only tell the coach if you're asked? Or, you know, it's a player, like, like you just completely explained and answered the question, to be honest, but how confident are them players of coming to you and saying, mm. I, I don't feel right, I don't feel this? Because they, they might think they're going to miss their opportunity. Let's be honest. I, I, again, I won't name any names here. I have mm. professional integrity and stuff as well. But yeah, there yeah. is situations on camps and high-level camps where players might be, you know, trying to come in and make their debut. Uh, they could be, you know, African. Uh, out of the squad for a while, back in the squad, playing at really high-level clubs in England, versus the guys who are like with us at Derry City and stuff out here, and, and then like and they'll come in and like you really have to build a, a rapport with them very early, like and not. It depends on the, on the mood, I suppose. Uh, play and make that debut, and they're probably going to be leaning towards. Um, putting their body on the line but again you'll always try to make that point to them about look I don't want you to go here and, and give a true obsession of how good or bad you are and you'll, what you'll do is like I do in clinic every day I'll set a timeline if we have a week camp I'll say listen what I'll do is I'll take away some of the training for the week and I'll, I'll like you know I'll give you great exposure back into it we'll get you we'll pick you for match day but if I feel like you're not moving the way you should move and I feel like I'm going to send you back to your club worse than I got you I can't have that because my mantra is to leave you better than I found you. And that's the way I want to be like. So um, it's interesting. It's a really good question. And to be honest, there's no straight answer mark to that. Mm. It's the individual. It's the trying to get to build a rapport that with the, the patient slash player. And it's, you know, letting them know that you're there for the betterment of them, the squad, the country, you know, and and, and, and it has to see that. And that seems the whole way through and down, if that makes sense to you as well. It's a bigger picture when you're working at that level, bigger picture. Yeah, yeah. Obviously elite players as well. And, and when you're... What, I've always been interested in this, though. So, you know, you hear of footballers on away international camps or even the home ones, you know, they, they might be meeting up for four or five day camps. The players, yeah. obviously, a lot of rest and recovery. They train. They can only train a certain amount of time. But for you, that must be a very, very different experience. What is your kind of day to day stuff and how how challenging do you find that? It's, you know what, it's, it depends really. Well, I've been on I've been on some really cool camps in athletics. Like I've been away with like you know on New Balance camps with Kieran McGee and these people and, and other athletes say, and that's tough because I would usually bring them. I learned once the hard way. I had to bring. I went to a camp with just me and all the athletes wanted like massages or something. Like holy crap! I don't think I have enough manpower genuinely to do that. And I was there for ten days in uh, Murcia in Spain. I actually caught a game actually. I, got, I caught Murcia's B team playing against a oh, bloody hell who were they playing? Someone decent. It was like it was third team or something or youths very good but anyway I digress um, so that's fun but like I'll usually bring a massage type of something and I've been up in the I've been up in the Pyrenees Mountains at high performance Olympic camps and stuff like that and they are busy but to be fair when you're working at a super elite setup like the FAI and stuff like that you're there for your medical background and those numbers and letters behind your name as you said there um, and you're there to lend advice 
you know, you're there to you're there to you know be, give the best you know advice possible and plan and map a process for for the players. So I mean, just to give you a little outline. Say if you're going away on like a weekend camp, you'd usually check in, have lunch with the backroom staff. The players would arrive after you maybe an hour. They'd get settled in, little team meeting. Often you go straight away and you train um, at a local ground or whatever ground they're going to be playing in the next couple of days. You come home, you'd shower. You get you get uh, ready for dinner together as a team and as a squad. You have dinner together. It'd be a meet, meeting in the afternoon to outline the outline the uh, the weekend, and then you go to bed around maybe half nine after a short um, backroom staff meeting. Then the days, the full days are longer, I guess, but they're actually quite. Depending on how many players are injured, but they're quite short. I mean, I think the most recent camp, I probably worked clinic for maybe an hour and a half, I think. And the rest of it was planning sessions and the players who couldn't get through a full session, I brought them through like an advanced rehab session or, or an injury prevention session with them. You train once in the day, you have dinner together, you have lunch together, just downtime in the middle. So I usually do like a Q&A for like our social medias if, if, I, if, I, felt, if I wasn't too tired. And then there's a big team meeting together again, nice big dinner and a good crack. And I think the last camp around we watched United get beaten by the Middlesbrough. Actually, did you see that game, actually? That? <laughs> Can't remember yeah, that one. Oh, the FA Cup one. It was, yeah, because obviously, yeah, a lot of them underage camps were at different times as well, aren't they? Yeah, oh, that was the FA Cup, I think. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, you're right. FA Cup, you're right. Absolutely, I know exactly. And um, that's all well and good. But uh, then you go to bed early, and then the next day is game day, probably. And you're up early. You're making sure pre-assessments done for the players. You're making sure everybody's okay. Any fitness tests you might go through them. Then with that, the players have a nice big lunch together, check out, go to the pitch, come back after the game. Then and last last bit of team meeting and the kit and everything else, and and job done. On to the next one. You know, you make sure you take all your boxes, and the players are in a good place. We chatted up a little bit there about like the players and youngsters and their kind of different mindset now, you know, not having alcohol and thinking about their body and looking after themselves. Do, do you think they understand now and are seeing like the, the gains from being an elite athlete? And a, a lot of them, are people coming privately to you for, you know, outside of their club training and saying, look, I want to really work on this now? Yeah, we have lots of that. Yeah. What happens to me, what I do on a Friday is I have athlete day. So only on Fridays I'll see athletes from all over the country. We're lucky that people come down to see me from Northern Ireland, Tyrone, Cork, Galway this week, actually. And so these athletes will come in and have an assessment and then we'll go through some, you know, depending on their goal, they fill an athlete form. They have to take like young, young Brian Moore and these, these, look at these players are coming in. who's was phenomenal young talent here. Um, but um, yeah, so we go through and then we'll send them away for X amount of weeks with a plan, we'll put together successive sessions and we'll just work on things that probably, are, not that they're not covering their club, but the club will have blanket trainings obviously as well, they have blanket types of, of, um, of S&C stuff to do, but you know, and it's usually the really good guys that do that as well and that's always really interesting. So it's just like I did with Mikey back in the day as well, but uh, we've evolved that into the performance package here in the clinic and we've young athletes, young League of Ireland athletes coming with the idea of getting to, to Spain, or sorry, uh, to England and stuff as well. And a lot of young athletes, Martin, as you probably know, will go on scholarships to the United States and we have two or three of those coming through here and we were lucky, we're so happy to get them over to the States, then our job is done again. Yeah, yeah, because I, I think even like for, for different generation now, like people often look back at Ronaldo and what he did as the player coming to Man United and what he went and then made, well, sculptured his body and into what he needed to do. I mean, it's interesting, I, I don't want to digress too much on Man United, but, you know, you watch him, he looks after himself now at this age so well. If you watch in the warm-up for Man United, when he comes out, he does his own little kind of thing. And I watched it for Portugal, sadly, in Faro, where he scored two late goals that night. But he just does his own warm-up, basically. The squad are doing their own thing. He knows his body. He's looking after himself, and he's, he's got to that level. Um, 
it's interesting with him. It's interesting with him, I think, because like I'll often trade. There's there's another dynamic to that with young people when they, when they're not really understanding that Ronaldo trains for performance, but looks like that. A lot of kids, what they'll sometimes do, and I also pull them away from it too, is they train to get that body. But they're, I always say to them, don't go in now for the summer, for the winter, and train for your t-shirt, train for your crest. As in, like you don't you don't want to be getting big and strong and muscly to look good on the beach. You want to be, you know, training the muscle that you use in football or in hurling or in rugby, and they, that does get true to them. But they are going to go off and get big biceps and everything else yeah, for yeah. the summer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> okay, totally different I'm mentality. Yeah, I was never worried about that. Sadly, which probably explains how I am now. Um, but uh, a, a player that I hope goes on to an elite level, I think she will. Which I must comment on, obviously, Kilkenny, our own Ellen Malloy. I've seen a lot of her. Um, social media videos with you doing those the plyometric video she did yeah, i mean i had to sit down after watching that that was ridiculous um <laughs> yeah. but how have you found working with her ah ellen's ellen's a dream like i love Ellen. she's great she's great she's amazing she's so such a good mentality like she has that mentality of confident but not cocky assured but not elated and just a bit mature beyond her years if that makes sense to you Probably in the fact that she knows she's good, but she doesn't take it for granted, if that makes sense to you. And her application here is phenomenal. We've been working with her now in the last oh, year, year and a bit, and we've seen her win, you know, won in a match as a 17-year-old in an FAI Women's Cup final. I mean, as she scored her at the end, but that's far now. But um, we've seen her win Young Athlete of the Year. We've seen her called up into the Irish squad. You know, I mean, any multiple clubs looking for her, I can name names, I won't. I, won't do that to L. But um she's phenomenal talent and she is only going to go to the top. She is one of these girls, I think, to be honest with you, who's going to change women's football. And I really think that Ellen's going to be an outstanding footballer for a long, long time. And she will actually bring about that. I see her being like, you know, you see on English football last night, I think there was who what was it was it the United game last night? There's that yeah. I think that's your name, there was a female presenter because that's how much female football is, you know, respected now in England. Yeah. I feel like Ellen, if she plays her cards right, I think she will would be like one of those forces in, in Irish football. Yeah, like we, we, we have been blessed. It's, it's great to see the involvement of the, the women's game. I mean, like the names now are synonymous with us as fans. I, I'm certainly more interested in it. Like, you know, Katie McCabe's a young, is a hero to like my daughter's now growing up. And we all know her. She plays for Arsenal. I yeah. went to the Women's Cup final this year. Now, something I would never have entertained over years. I went because Katie McCabe, yeah. the island captain, is playing. So, yeah, we've been following yeah. Ellen Malloy. My mum, I must give her a shout out. You know my mum, Helen. I mean, she'll... Oh, um, She's always um, asked, telling me about Ellen Malloy and she, oh, Thomas Town, I saw this the other day and I was talking to her mum and yeah, she's very grounded, like you said. So, I mean, I've never met her, but um, she's, yeah, yeah a, a fantastic. I mean, I just think even like her physique, um, you know, just she looks, looks so powerful of her thighs and everything like and And you just see these incredible goals she does. And it was great. I mean, I know she was with the senior squad last week and she, she's, you know, she's above her years with that. Um, yeah, and yeah, yeah. she is, it's in her hands, as we said. Yeah, it's good to blood her now. There's obviously a bit of a debate about like bringing her out to our senior squad, but like, will she develop more by playing 19s, which 19s is two years ahead of her anyway? Probably, but I think it's a good idea to bring her into the squad so to show her the level she needs to get to as well, yeah. not just say, go destroy those girls over there and then come back to us. You know, she does have to see that as well. She has to be exposed to those those camps and stuff. And well, I brought her in. There's a thing going up, actually going to go up the next couple of days, but around just the last stage of her, her of her rehabilitation for her hamstring injury. And we went out every Evergreen Park, actually. They gave us the grounds. They're all brilliant. They give us the grounds out there to bring her out. So we do a lot of that off, off camera if you want to. We shot this one anyway. 
and uh, after the game, sure, wasn't there a big girls game, Leicester game on, and she everyone wanted a picture with her and, and a handshake and an autograph, and she spent 20, 30 minutes, like, no bother to her, saying hello, super girl, super girl, can't say no flowers, to be honest. That's the, I mean, yeah, that's the Kilkenny, that uh, we see Henry and TJ do that with, with, the, with the lads in GAA as well, don't we? So, uh, you know, um, now I, I really, I think she's amazing to, to watch, and yeah, definitely someone I'm keeping an eye on uh, in the football. Um, so, just... On, on the kind of social media stuff, you said you're very active on that. Um, so do you think yeah. that's important? Yeah, it's bit, I think it is. I think, uh, yeah, no, social media is massively important. And if I'm honest with you, like, we obviously kind of try and stay active. But like, we've, the clinic has gone to a certain level now where I'm starting to go away with, like, Irish teams and stuff again because I wouldn't do too much of that in COVID times. So I'm starting to go away again. And I, I can't really keep on top of that. So I actually have, like, a guy who looks after all my social media for me now. Um, and I give him the text and stuff, whatever it might be, and he'll correct it and put it to whatever. But um, social media is massive. And the reason social media is massive is, like, to be honest with you, is I see people come and see me, Martin. And I'm not kidding you. They have been in pain for years or going around the country to different physios. And when they get the result, they're so elated about it. They want to actually, you know, jump and scream from the from the rooftop. And I think it's important that we kind of not not announce that for a slap on the back, but just to let people know that if you're in pain, if you're struggling, there is other ways around it. I mean, we've had people come and see us here, and, and just for the most simple assessments, been told by specialists and stuff that you will probably never run again. They're back to the marathons. You'll probably never play field-based sports again. They're back playing GEA at some level, some shape or form. And it just, you know, it just, it just, it just kind of irked me a lot and led me down to do my, my PhD in Limerick as I'm starting at the moment in around human performance and injury rehab because human performance and injury rehab are so intertwined it's unbelievable. If you look at a performance plan versus an injury rehab plan, in injury rehab you're looking to overload your system to save value, you're looking to make resilience in the tissue and you're looking to strengthen the tissue. <laughs> in strength and conditioning, you're looking to strengthen the tissue, overload the tissue, and create a balance in the tissue. So it's the same thing. It's just where do we get on and get off? So we like to be quite we like to be quite active on social media, not for the likes and the love for it. That that people are loving sound, I must say, but just to let other people know that there is somewhere to go. There is a place there in Kilkenny in Ireland that is you know driven towards helping people. That's a fact. That's what we do. Yeah. And you're very innovative as well with a lot of your modern machines and all your treatments and stuff. I've had that first hand off you as well. Um, and I just want to obviously, before we end, a couple of last kind of questions. But I do appreciate your time with this. Um, what's your thought, like for you personally, as a physio and your head of medicine and things like that with different clubs, what is your long term goal with, like with, with regard to Ireland? Like, do you want to be involved with senior squads, things like that? Do you, is that something a dream? I, I think if I'm honest with you, when I was in college, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to go work for the Irish uh, international first team, you know, with uh, McCarthy and the lads who was in, in then, obviously. Uh, but as I kind of matured and as I found my own way and I found um, like my niche and everything else with, with the PhD and stuff as well, I really feel like it's with respect to me and you, I suppose anyone over the age of 30 listening, old dogs and new tricks. Like, you know, I want to, I want to influence the next group right, yeah. coming through i want to make sure that the next i firmly believe i firmly believe right that the best athlete ireland ever produced never made it past 15 years old because if he's good he's playing hurling he's playing soccer he's playing rugby he's running he's doing all this stuff i want to get involved at that age group because 15s and up say up as far as 21s whatever it's going to be because i feel like we need to help our young athletes specialize and develop we've only five and a half million of the population in this country mm. and we're one leading in the world at football we're good at football once they're leading but rugby are one of the best in the world we have a 
brilliant home sport in GEA in both levels, both disciplines, and camogie for the ladies and football for the ladies as well. We're pulling from a lot of different places with a small population. We have to stop overusing our athletes. We have to make sure that our, if our athletes are brilliant at this sport, that we encourage that and we don't make them feel bad about uh, picking one or the other. So I want to get involved in that area, if I'm honest. And I and love what? football. I'm a football guy, so FAI yeah. all day, yeah. Yeah. And what age, though, like, just interesting that I'm thinking about, like, as a coach speaking now, you know, like, I'm coaching under 10s. What ages are their kind of bodies developing that, you know, I can notice, like, a couple of dads will say, oh, he's got a bit of a sore ankle today, or it's got growing pains, he's had a growth spurt. What age do you kind of get that mentality into the kind of youngsters to obviously look after their bodies? But even, you know, some boys, they do say to me, oh, I'm not as fast as him. How can I get faster? That kind of thing. How do we kind of change that mindset? So ideally, like the idea, the, the old idea is like, oh, I'm not fast. How do I get faster? Lift heavy things or lift other things. No, you like if we think about getting fast, what is fast? Fast is movement quickly. What is movement? Movement is synchronization of the ankle, knee and hip in one fashion, transferring force to the other side of your body. So if we can perfect that, then we perfect the running. Because when you're younger, I know what's like, remember when I was running when I was a kid? I felt like I was running against the wind. Like it just, I wasn't coordinated, you know yeah. what I mean? can't teach that you have to learn that so i'm always big on say leaving weightlifting exercises out of plans from the age of 12 to 14 15 area and teaching them techniques teaching them how to land how to cut how to decelerate how to you know open their legs in a graded fashion you know all these skills are important for them at that age and that's what i lean towards too yeah you're going you're right in what you're saying kids will try play through and the kids can get sore they heal incredibly quick but they can yeah, get yeah. sore as well but it's always identifying i would often say look listen is a detriment to his health, is a detriment to his performance, and has he been in pain for over, you know, seven, ten days with this, and then if, if so, get it checked out. Because that's the thing, interestingly, just bring it back to the kind of senior squad, we hear about players load now, and that was a thing that Stephen Kenny, I think, had a challenge with on, you know, I think it was um, James McLean, who incredibly hadn't trained and played for Stoke at that time when he was with them, and we went and played them in Qatar. And he, he managed to do like 90 minutes. Now, I know he's incredibly fit anyway, but yes, yes. a lot of players they were saying about their load that they can't couldn't cope. A lot of our players, sadly, don't play for their clubs week in, week out. But when they were coming for Ireland, they're actually playing more minutes for Ireland than they were for their club. Yeah. And then we've got a game three days later and it's that recovery thing. How does that work? See, tell you what, you know, what happens is, is that they're probably in a position physiologically that they can be, because they're super fit, they're training, like they're training like with these guys who are playing the 90 minutes. So the level of training is really, really high. But there's no fitness like match fitness, as you, as you know, right? And a certain amount of it will get you through. So if you look back on the Irish team, let's go back to the Portugal game you were chatting about there with Ronaldo. Like, who's to say that Ireland were down on their feet for the last 10 minutes yeah. there? And that technique, when your technique is gone, your mind is slow. When your mind is slow, your weight passes off. When your weight passes and your mind is off, you're not your player's out of position. When your player's out of position, Ronaldo can jump over you and score that bloody header. So that, that's the thing where we'll get caught. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Your fitness level will be okay. It'll look after itself. Your performance level is a completely different thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, because that, that, that's kind of something. I mean, even in that game, I think back, I was over there actually. But... Um, even that last goal where he scored, it's like Seamus Coleman kind of switches off, but you could see how much Seamus, it, it was just obviously not probably the fitness part of it, just, you know, just concentration, wherever it is. That's oh, interesting to think of it like that, to be honest. Yeah. 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 Uh, right. I've taken up far too much of your time already, but I really okay. do appreciate you um, sharing your thoughts and everything on that. We'll, we'll probably get onto you again, because I'm sure it'll be huge demand. And uh, best of luck with your endeavours with Ireland, obviously over the coming years because i think you will be involved in it i do like i love your passion and stuff like that and you, especially you know how you intend to kind of help us develop players just let us know as well how i know you're not just elite athletes 
I will just put my own name in here. You've treated me in the past, and I'm certainly not an elite athlete. But um, just yeah. let us know how anyone can contact you if they've got any pains and niggles or want to get that edge. Yeah, absolutely. We're very easy. We're on Roach, we're Roach Injury Clinic on Instagram and Facebook, and info at roachinjuryclinic.com is probably the best way you know, to catch us via email. And again, yeah, you're right. We work, I think, 75% of our cases so as general public people, or people who I find a lot is who wouldn't play sport back in the day, who've stopped playing sport. And like, I'm afraid to back sport now because an X and Y niggle are a bit out of shape. We actually work with those lads a lot lately and just getting them, making sure their body, because you know what, I'm 37 now. I want to feel this when I'm 40, and I know by doing that, I need to keep my body at a certain level and train a certain amount of stuff. We do a lot of that kind of package with people now as well. But catching it, social media is very interesting. We're very open and very easy to talk to. So very, very happy to chat to anybody like that. Okay, brilliant. That's excellent. I would, I'd recommend everyone to check out the videos as well with social media, especially with Ellen Malloy. That's, that's still incredible. So mind blast that one. But uh, yeah, no, David, thanks again for your time. And uh, we'll get this up and uh, out to everybody and, and tag you in it all. All right, thank you. Cheers, now.